are in the middle of a Hebrews series, or a series in Hebrews. In fact, I think this is about week 17, which is, uh, which is quite a lot when I think about it. But I, I do think next week will be our last one. We're going to be in chapter 12 this week, uh, again like we were last week, but today just two verses, and then next week I think we'll probably finish uh, in chapter 13. And so there's a lot there that I'm not going to be preaching on that we won't cover. And so the, the challenge to you or the offer to you is why don't you read it yourself at home? Hebrews 12 and 13. We did a lot in chapter 11 talking about all the different heroes of the faith. Chapter 12 and chapter 13. And just mine it for, for, for gold, you know, what God has for you in there because it's full of it. I, it's, I promise you it's got lots of good stuff in there, lots of gold. But let's read today's passage. Hebrews 12, we're going to be in verse 14. Here's what the author says. Work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that, no one, so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. So today's sermon is titled, The Hard Work of Holiness. But before I start, please note that the title is not The Hard Work of Salvation. Let's always be clear about that, lest you get confused, because I think as a child I was confused. Because one week I would hear a sermon about how Christ has done it all. And the next week I'd hear about how we need to be working hard. (laughs) And it was kind of confusing. The clarity is this. Christ has done it all for your salvation. You can't work for that. Jesus did the hard work for you. Working to be holy is our response to that amazing gift. Of salvation. When you think of holy people, who comes to mind for you, you know, in, in this time, in this day and age? Now, of course, yes, we think of God first as holy, which makes sense because he's perfect and he's our example. But in the human sense, who comes to mind? Perhaps you're thinking of someone in your life who just seems to be really good at being a, a deeply committed follower of Christ, a transformed Christian. You know, these people in your life, they know the Scriptures. They're really kind, they're loving, they're they're really generous. They seem to know how to encourage people all the time. They're gentle and humble. They're committed to all that God asks of them, you know, even when it's costly. And one thing I notice about such, such people is they just, they pray with conviction. They don't hold back. Perhaps you're thinking of a missionary. We had a missionary. We had a good example this morning on the screen. Or maybe it's this, like a saintly older person, a grandmother or a grandfather in your life. They've been following Jesus for as long as you've known them. That's, that's who comes to mind. Well, today I want you to know that holiness is for every single one of us. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, he calls you to be holy. If you're a little unsure of what holiness is, this is what I think the best description that I can come up with 
And of course, it's, it's the words of Jesus. This is what I think holiness is. Holiness is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind and loving your neighbor as yourself. In other words, being holy, as the word tells us today, is, is Christ-likeness. It's being like Jesus. Holiness, therefore, is not necessarily just something we become, although in one sense it, it is, but first and foremost, holiness is being in Christ. If you know your scriptures, you know in John 15, Jesus says that you must remain in me, you know, as I am in the Father. So in the same way. And so in him I find holiness. In him I find the purity, the power, the assurance to live that life of perfect love in the same way that he did. And so the author of Hebrews says in verse 14, we should work at living a holy life. You know, we might be saved at salvation through the work of Christ on the cross, but holiness, you know, loving like Jesus did, that, that is on us. That takes work. And, and I would propose to you that it's work that we don't ever retire from. We don't ever retire from working on being a disciple. What is interesting to me, though, is that when the Scriptures talk about being holy, the context is most, is most often centered around people and how we, how we love them. Okay, yes, we just read last week that we have to strip off the sin that hinders us. Yes, holiness is a moral and a pure life that Christ calls us to, but it starts and ends with how we love God and how we love others. Those other things follow more as a consequence. And I've found that it can be possible to live an upright and moral life, while at the same time I can find it's difficult sometimes to love all the people around me. And I know I'm not supposed to say that as a pastor, but that's the truth. Loving all people, all people, as Christ did. My point being that we can think of ourselves as holy because we, we might have good morals, but we don't always love like Jesus does. It's not really holiness sometimes that we're patting ourselves on the back for. So let's take a quick look at what I mean in the Scriptures. And the first thing is, again, I'll go back to verse 14 to start us off with, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Living at peace with, with who? Everyone. In other words, this is how we love others. The second thing, or the second example, is the Sermon on the Mount. Probably the most important sermon ever preached in this world, and, and, and Jesus preached it, which makes sense. But this is what he said. I'll read it from Matthew chapter 5. Just this, this portion of it. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. It's crazy stuff. And that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. In other words, God does love everybody. If you love only those who love you, then what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are 
kind only to your friends, how are you different from everyone else? Because even unbelievers do that. Pagans do that. And then verse 48, listen to this. This is what he says, but you are to be perfect. Just pause there for a second. Even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Perfect like, like God? That's, I'm just reading the Bible, right? That's what Jesus said. First and foremost, I think what he's saying is in the way that God loves. When he says be perfect, he's talking about being holy and loving God and others as being, that's the center of it. Being perfect sounds kind of like a goal that's out of reach, doesn't it? Who's with me on that? I don't know why Jesus would say that. It doesn't sound right. sounds too hard. Well, if Jesus set the goal for us, and he has, you know, it's not Paul or Peter or John, so you can say that was just Paul, Peter, or John. You know, I only, only read the red words. <laughs> well, these are the red words. Maybe, just maybe, we shouldn't be so quick to dismiss this call to perfect love. Maybe it's not actually out of reach. There's a Wesleyan professor, he's now retired, his name is Dr. Keith Drury, and and this is what he says about this. He says, only a cruel father would demand that his children achieve an impossible goal and then refuse to help them. Likewise, our Heavenly Father does not command us to be perfect without providing the means to make us so. Thus, holiness is a radical, optimistic, radically optimistic possibility kind of thinking applied to spiritual growth. The idea of holiness marches into the midst of our pessimist age proclaiming good news. You can become what you were meant to be. You really can love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. You can literally love your neighbor as yourself. This is this is the message we from God. You know, we often read these things and think it's, it's too hard. But God, the point is God wouldn't ask us to do it if it wasn't possible, if he wouldn't give us the means to get there. Is anyone with me? From all of that, my contention today, based on Scripture, is that number one, holiness is rooted in loving like Jesus does. When it comes to working at holiness, as, as our Hebrew author says, I say start with this, make your life ambition to love God and love people like Jesus did. Make it a number one priority, in fact. By all means, set goals around your business, set goals around your family and your retirement, but please, this one, why wouldn't we as Christians make this the number one goal? To love like Jesus does. That's working at being holy. Let's be honest, though, it, it can be really hard. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to work at it. Sometimes it does seem impossible, especially when Jesus says, you know, loving your family and close friends, that's pretty good. But anyone can do that. Those of you living with me, with the Holy Spirit in here, you can do a, a, a big step beyond that and love even those who are hard to love. 
This is the bit we need to work hard on. This is the bit that should distinguish a follower of Jesus from a non-follower. We should be able to see it in us and ourselves, and others should be able to see it in us as well. So my appeal to you today is do what Hebrews says and actually work on it. You know, we, we can say amen to that, and, and I love that, but it's only the beginning. Here's a couple of thoughts on how you can work on it, on how we can work on being holy like this. The first thing is don't be content with just being a casual Christian. This is the love God bit. We're asked by God to love him above everything in our life. That is the relationship that he primarily created us for. Yes, for relationship with each other. But he wanted us. You know, that's why he created us in the first place. That's what he was looking for. We're asked to love him more than our wealth, more than our weekends, more than our holidays, more than our stuff, more than even our loved ones. We love him by being close to him and cultivating a close relationship with him. We love him by doing what he says, even when we don't want to, by loving others like he did, even though it's hard, even though we constantly have to take up our cross like he did. When we read the kind of scriptures we've been reading each week in Hebrews and when we read what Jesus just said in his Sermon on the Mount about who we should be as his followers, we're repeatedly called to be radical in our Christ-likeness. It's far above just a casual Christian walk with the Lord. I'm just not sure that that, that's in the Bible. Part-time Christianity, part-time relationship. Christianity... is not just saying yes and ticking a box and showing up at church now and then. Christianity is being a disciple of Christ. Jesus didn't say to go into all the world and make converts. He said, let's make disciples. I love Dallas Willard. He says the primary goal of a disciple is to cultivate a deep and loving relationship with our God. If you're wondering what's the main thing that God wants of you, it's that first. Cultivate a deep and loving relationship with our Lord. Because out of that comes an increasing desire to change the parts of us that don't align with God's will. You know the parts I'm talking about. We all have or have had desires and behaviors that don't always align with God's will, that that he wouldn't consider holy. But when we work on holiness, when we work hard at loving, when we continually consecrate those areas of our life to God that that don't align with him and when we do it sincerely we can expect to grow in grace and experience that that real transformation that the word talks about in other words it's a constant effort to surrender and sacrifice and 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 it bears positive fruit Yes, it's hard. Yes, we often fail or slip backwards. But the role of the church is to encourage each other and spare each other on without judgment and condemnation. It's actually good news. We really can be changed to be more like Jesus. To live the life that we were created to live, we really, really are made new. Forget the worldly advice that you just need to be true to yourself by doing whatever you want and embrace whatever desires you have, many of those desires don't come from a holy place. They come from a sinful place. I'm talking to all of us here today. Please don't think of anyone else. The Holy Spirit 
wants to sanctify us to be who he created us to be, for that sinful place to have less and less power and control over us. So we do, we do all that we can and seek more of him in us. You know, please hear me on this. I'm not trying to bring judgment or guilt or shame on anyone today. This is about taking up our cross, putting the old life to death and living a new, better, exciting, and I say satisfying, really satisfying, life in Christ. So we work on holiness, as Hebrews says, by loving God with all that we have, by being obedient to him. The second way we work on loving like Jesus and on holiness is intentionally make time to be concerned for others. And so this is the loving others bit. Verse 15 said, Look after each other so that no, none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Look after each other is the bit I want you to think about for a second. Okay, yes, he's talking about looking after each other spiritually, but Jesus is very clear that there is a very practical part of how we are to love others and care for others. I could read all of Matthew chapter 25, but we don't have time this morning. But Jesus makes it very clear that people who proclaim to be righteous, sometimes they're not. They think they are. But he talks about sheep and goats. Remember that passage? Instead, he says that Christians care for the poor with food, clothing, and shelter, and they visit people in prison and they welcome the stranger. He's giving some examples of how... Our Christian love is revealed in more ways than just what we might say here on a Sunday. It's revealed in our actions, how we love people, and it's often through helping people in need. But I happen to know that while for some this comes naturally, for many it doesn't. But we are commanded to love people like Jesus does, and so we have to respond. If caring for others, especially those you find difficult to love, doesn't come naturally to you, we have to be intentional about changing that. We need to do some acts of love. And I suggest that the more we do that, the more it starts to change us. This is the thing. And the more blessings that we find through those actions. Yes, of course, there's always loving boundaries in how we do these things. Just assume that's always a given, okay, in my preaching. The main point is holiness is love-centered, and my contention is that as you push yourself to actually do this more and more each day, you will, you will be this more each day. You know, as God refines you to love like Jesus, to work at being holy. So today I ask you to think about what are the little acts of kindness and care and love that you could do for those around you? My second of three points today, and don't worry, point two and three are much shorter than point one. But it was in the scriptures, and I really thought I shouldn't skip over this. Point two is that bitterness will sabotage your holiness. It was right there after the author says, work on your holiness. He then goes straight to bitterness. So I thought, mm, there's a link here. 15b says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. It's no coincidence, right, that it's in there right after you talked about that other stuff. Because bitterness can destroy your life or sabotage it is another word that I think we can use. It can sabotage your holiness. I've seen it happen. It's, it's like a huge trap. I think Satan loves bitterness because as Hebrews says, it's like a root. 
it becomes your foundation and it just feeds poison. The longer it's there, the harder it is to cut it out. You know, you can cut off an unhealthy branch, try cutting off an unhealthy root. It's hard to do. It's true that there's often a valid reason or a source that kind of generates bitterness. A person or a group of people can, can hurt you, and your hurt is real and valid, by the way. But when a significant moment of hurt comes your way, there's always, there always needs to be help and support, yes, but there always needs to be healing and forgiveness. If we don't go through healing and forgiveness, we're in danger of a bitter root forming. And a bitter root can cause misery, not only for you, but for those around you as well. Hebrews says, you'll be troubled and corrupted. I've seen it happen. In my experience, failing to forgive, you know, let's be honest, failing to forgive is because we can't, or we want someone who's hurt us to be punished a bit. But that usually harms ourselves the most. You know, there's a very common saying, I'm sure you've heard it, that says choosing not to forgive is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Now, forgiveness is a whole other sermon, but take the serious warning from Scripture today that bitterness in your life is trouble. And, and it absolutely derails how you love God and how you love others. And ultimately, the cause of holiness, it starts to become out of reach. If you have bitterness in your life, especially if it's been there for a long time, I highly recommend professional help. And if you don't know where to get started, come and see me ASAP so that I can help you and point you in the right direction. Point number three is this, that the best life is actually the holy life. I love it when uh, Jesus says this in John 10. He says, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Not, not rich and satisfying like we may think of rich and satisfying, but rich and satisfying in the ways that brings peace and joy and love and hope, you know, the essence of a good life. Jesus gives a rich and satisfying life, and it comes from the things we've been talking about today. When we learn perfect love like Jesus, we find something very rich and very satisfying. When we learn to give rather than receive, we find something very rich and very satisfying. A few weeks ago, I mentioned in passing and I was talking about being generous, and I said, here's a practical suggestion. Put $50 cash in your wallet and then pray to God and ask him who you want, who does he want me to give that to? I got the idea from Robert Morris, by the way. I don't want to claim this one. He wrote the book, The Blessed Life. It's a good book worth reading. And, and I've done it from time to time myself. But then a week or so ago, someone was telling me that they actually took up that challenge. They didn't really have $50 to spare but they put the cash in their wallet anyway. And lo and behold, a few days later, this person from this church came across a man who was struggling in life with no job and couldn't even afford to put petrol in his car to get to an interview he had to get to and was walking many kilometers to get there. And so he received the $50. And I was told the testimony about how the man had tears in his eyes and he was just so grateful. 
and it's an awesome story. And if it finished there, it would be an awesome story. But two days later, out of the blue, someone handed that original giver $100 in cash and simply said, God told me to give this to you. Now, I don't tell you this story expecting you to go out and give away money and God's going to double it back, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to promise that. And I've given away things before and that hasn't happened to me. And that's, that's okay. That's not the promise, okay? Please hear me for a second on this. I think God was reminding this particular person who was struggling that you can trust him when you're obedient like that. Because the underlying blessing wasn't really in the return. It was a reminder that God loves him and wants him to love generously like he does, to love like he does, work at being holy. And he told me that when he gave that original gift, that was really the moment of blessing, (laughs) seeing the tears in the eyes. The act of love was rich and satisfying. Not, Not rich when the money came back. That was a blessing from God, absolutely, when the giving happened. When we care for others, when we encourage others, when we give to others, when we forgive others, when we'll find satisfaction and richness, richness better than when we buy a new TV, when we buy a new car, when we buy a new house, when we go on a long holiday, on a good investment portfolio, when we do the giving and the generosity and the loving like Jesus did, working on our holiness, that is the rich and satisfying thing that we'll experience. I always say, you know, none of those things are wrong but they're not the answer to peace and joy and hope and love. There's a great quote from Jim Carrey off the top of my head. It goes something like this. I wish everyone could experience the riches like I have so that they would know it's not the answer. I guess it's easy for him to say, but he's experienced it. All those other things won't provide a deep, lifelong satisfaction, but a close, loving... um, Walk with the Lord, loving like He does will. So today, let's hear God's word for us and work hard on living a holy life. God is love, and the holy life is centered around that. Two practical applications I want you to take away this week. Number one, what will you do this year to work on loving God more? I want you to ask that question. Please don't just walk out of here and go put the cricket on. (laughs) Well, you can do that because I'm going to do that. But I want you to think of this first. What can you do this year to work on loving God more? It's New Year resolution time, isn't it? Anyone else started running like me in the last few weeks? Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, you need a New Year's resolution. What will you do to work on loving God more? Spend time with Him, hear from Him through His Word, worship Him more, pray with somebody. Ring up a friend and just say, we can do coffee and a meal, which is awesome. We could pray together too. You know, why do we get a little bit awkward about that sometimes? We should just do it. Come to Alpha is another thing. Number two, what will you do to work on loving people more? Be generous. Work on encouraging. Reconcile with people that you may have hurt. Forgive someone who's hurt you. 
do something practical for someone who's in need. Because I think this is the path to holiness, loving like Jesus did, working on being holy. Because according to Jesus, it's rich and it's satisfying. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word today. The challenge that it is, the life that it brings. Lord, I just pray for us as a church that we would really know what it means to love you with all of our heart, to follow your ways, and to love people like you did, God. Even the ones that are hard to love, even the ones who perhaps don't believe what we believe, loving people, Lord, with a different philosophy of life, different outlook of life, different political interests, different nationality, different background, different cultures, different skin colours, loving like you did, Lord Jesus. That is or should be your church. And I pray this morning you make it so here at Hills Church that your Holy Spirit would move through each of us and cut out anything that is not of you, that gets in the way of loving like you did, of being holy. I pray that over us, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come this morning and do your work in us. Church, would you stand with me? I feel like we need to pray into this a bit more together while we stand. Holy Spirit, come this morning. This is so important, God. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss what you want to do in us. Lord, we heard your message about perfect love and you're calling us to it and it must be possible if you say it can be done. Perfect our love, God, for people. Lord, when we start thinking bad thoughts about people, I pray your Holy Spirit will, will get us in that moment and change us. Lord, when we see someone in need, we won't just walk away. We will help and step in, Father. When we see a minority, Lord, who's being persecuted, Lord, we'll be the ones that will stand in the gap, Father. When justice isn't being done, Lord, we will stand up. Lord, that we will be the ones that lift others up, not tear them down. We will be the ones, Lord, that love and not hate. God, that we will go out of our way. And Lord, it doesn't come naturally to us as humans. It comes though through your power and your spirit. We invite you in today to do that work in us. Please, we ask. Hands open wide. Perfect the love in us, Lord Jesus, we ask. God, help us to live it out the way you've, you've created us to be. Make this a loving church, God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to be holy like you. You are a holy God.